0: Hello, and welcome to the Literati Cast. I'm Jennifer Loughran, and I'm a senior agent at Andrea Brown Literary Agency. I represent kids' books from baby books through YA. And as always, I'm here to bring you some behind-the-scenes dirt on the world of children's books. Today, my episode is going to be all about the big children's book awards that is formally known as the ALA Youth Media Awards, which is kind of like the Academy Awards for kids' books this is something I've had an interest in since I was a kiddo. I remember having a poster of all the Newbery winners and checking off the ones I'd read and feeling very self-satisfied. If I was able to correctly guess what might win in a given year, to be honest, it still kind of makes me gloat though. I rarely guess right, but as interesting and fun as I think these awards are, I need to start by saying this caveat while the awards are really fun I urge you to think of them as just that, really fun. Awards are interesting, they're delightful, but they're also not something you can plan for yourself. The librarians who give them are often brilliant, but they are also making subjective calls based not just on their own taste, but also that of a group of experts based on an extraordinary amount of passionate research and discussion. And they're not taking your individual feelings into account at all. When they are looking at hundreds or even thousands of books. So you just can't let it cause you angst. I say this because I know a lot of authors get really upset if they're overlooked for awards, and frankly, I mean, I've been there. I get jealous and, you know, everything too. But it helps to remember your book is not less than if it doesn't win a big award, because most books don't win big awards. So while I know it can be really tempting to compare yourself to others and feel bad, and again, I mean, I definitely am guilty of that being bit by the jealousy bug as well, uh, it helps to remember that the lack of a shiny sticker on the front doesn't stop books from becoming beloved or from changing the lives of the kids who read them. The fact is, if you're already an author with a lot of fans, an award may be really validating, but it's really just a cherry on top. What what I love is when the awards shine a light on books that might have been overlooked by marketing campaigns and big book buzz, you know, um, quiet books, books from smaller publishers, books that are kind of under the radar. For these authors, an award can really be a career changer. So if my authors win, of course I celebrate. But if they don't, instead of being annoyed or upset, I try to put it into a different perspective and think, okay, you know. Dumb, but how great for children's literature that all these like little books that could did get an unexpected boon today. If you're a children's book creator, or even if you just love to read them, I urge you to pay attention to the books that win awards. You can watch the live stream of the press conference or even attend it if you're in Denver. This is not just for the Caldecott and Newbery Awards, which are the big, shiny, fancy ones that everyone's heard of, but also the Perra Belpré Award, the Coretta Scott King Award, the Cybert Award for Nonfiction, the Stonewall Award, and on and on. Um, I'm also going to link to other interesting children's book awards in the show notes. Of course, any award is subjective, and you may well disagree with the list that the committee's come up with, but I'll bet that you'll also discover some real gems that you'd never even heard of, too. And reading these books thoughtfully can be a really interesting learning experience, like a crash course. <laughs> in great children's book creation because while they might not be to your taste they probably are pretty great but hey that makes this sound like school and really it isn't boring i swear here to prove how not boring it is to talk about awards and kids books is one of my librarian friends lisa von is a librarian and curator at the university of minnesota's children's literature research collections she was on the caldecott committee last year She's extremely knowledgeable and opinionated, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's see if I can get Lisa on the line. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how you doing? I'm great. I'm glad you could join me despite the blizzard where you are.
1: There is. There really is. The, the snow is going sideways.
0: So I introduced you a little bit in the intro, but can you introduce yourself and tell us your title and where you work? I am
1: the curator Of the Children's Literature Research Collections of the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm physically sitting, is the Elmer L. Anderson Library, which is a library specifically for archives and special collections. People know us from the Curlin Collection, which almost 70 years ago, the core of our outstanding children's literature collection of manuscripts, original art, first editions, rare editions, came from Erwin Kerlin, and that's K-E-R-L-A-N. And he was an alum of the University of Minnesota. And the core of the collection comes from Dr. Kerlin. And then for 43 years, Karen Nelson Hoyle shepherded the collection and collected from contemporary um, artists and illustrators. And a lot of the work that I am doing is continuing those relationships. So Jane Yolen donates her manuscripts to us, her correspondence. She continues to do that to this day.
0: Um, how does an author qualify to be included in this collection?
1: The scope of the collection is very specific, but a lot of that has to do with my own personal judgment and experience in the field. An author who has one manuscript or one recently published book, we wouldn't ask them for their papers because we want to have a um, want a body of work. But I might say to a new writer who I just read her debut novel, and I couldn't put it down, I might say to that person or to their agent, or to their editor, please ask her to save her drafts please ask her. She's working on a computer to save as. She doesn't have to say this was my first draft or second, but just date it, save as. Date it, save as. Save track changes because that's what's about going to be valuable in 50 years to researchers to see the creative process.
0: What are a couple of your favorite treasures that you have.
1: Oh, you know, it's it's like Kate DiCamillo says, you're asking me to choose amongst yes. <laughs> my children. Um, I'd say right now in terms of using materials and sharing them with people and um, creating curriculum, I adore Melissa Sweet's Balloons of a Broadway. Melissa Sweet donated all of the artwork so six the 16 spreads or a little more because it's actually larger than a 32 page picture book of balloons over broadway we have that original art but we also have the multiple versions of the end paper she did the multiple versions of the cover that she did the 10 dummy books that she did for that book So not only do you see the creative process, you see her research, her physical research, her printouts from the internet and websites on Tony Sarg and how she incorporated that information into her own manuscripts. And so we have all those versions. So that's a lovely thing, not only to write about her creative process, but the trial and error that goes into picture book making. Um. Right now, I'm working on a project called First Pages, which is the revision process of a manuscript. So I've chosen 10 of our leading lights within our collection. And so you can see the first page of the first draft of Because of Winn-Dixie, and it's a god-awful mess. It's (laughs) one page, run-on sentence, you know, forget about spelling, forget about capitalization, forget about punctuation. That Miss DiCamillo, it's just amazing to see this first draft, and then the fourth draft, and then the tenth draft, then the twelfth draft. And at one point in there, someone Oh, good start. (laughs) And we know that that wasn't the start. We knew there were eight drafts before that. Uh Um, And to see the transformation of the language through the revision process. So that's, you know, that's a uh, gift that these creators give us because um, they get nothing. You know, they get my hearty thanks, and they get me using it in digital exhibits. So right now on the Internet, anyone anywhere can see artwork from the Curling Collection. So if you Google University of Minnesota uh, techniques and media children's books, you'll get a link to a website that will show scans of original Works of art in our collection, and how that um, that watercolor goes on the paper. But you'll see different styles. So you'll see Melissa Sweet's watercolor, but you'll also see Jerry Pinkney's. Very different styles, but both watercolor. And we made it in a format so that people could blow it up on a white screen if they're teaching in a classroom or just enjoying it on their own computer.
0: I'm going to put links to the stuff in the show notes too, so that people can find it. And I was lucky enough; I visited Minnesota last year, and you gave me a tour, Ah. uh, which was amazing. And I got to look at actual Maurice Sendak Mm -hmm. drawings, and I lost my mind just about. So um, that's really special. The thing is,
1: those pieces are I think were from "Holes" to dig.
0: Yes, so it's
1: very cool to see his. Drafting and changing. Well, and it,
0: it's funny because I um, I visited the day after my client, Sergio Rosier <laughs> visited. And I didn't have time to pick out my own things to look at. Mm-hmm. So I just looked at what Sergio was looking at. And it was interesting to see what he had chosen. Like, it was kind of uh, illuminating because the some of his illustrations are reminiscent of the same kind of small little weirdos that Maurice Rendak right but to also
1: draw. I'm always I, I don't know why but I'm always surprised what people who you know whose work I admire what we what they want what they're dying to see and he was dying to see uh, James Marshall mm. so we pulled out lots and lots and to see those color separations from those books it's we you know we keep everything pristine from our cavern.
0: Yeah. And you have to go through like a triple airlock to get in there. Yeah,
1: well, I think that's a little exaggerating, but not much. <laughs> we do have an airlock so that the air is exchanged. So the outside world's, uh, you know, microscopic whatever is not coming through into our materials. So when you come into our cavern, you can even smell it in the air, how clean it is down there.
0: That's good. It's a good place to hide during the apocalypse too. Yeah, there's no food, but you know, okay. (laughs) So actually, although I am completely obsessed with the curling collection... I didn't bring you here to talk about the curling collection. Mm. Oh, but actually to talk about the ALA youth media awards, which are being announced in early February. Mm -hmm. It is now currently mid January. So if Um, anyone's
1: in Denver, it's open to the public. It's actually a press conference. So if you're in Denver and you're not actually going to ALA, but you want to come hear the excitement, you can come to the convention center and do that.
0: I have to say, this is the first year in a long time that I have to miss. Oh. I know. I'm really bummed. However, I will be in the UK, so I can't be too mad about right. it. Right.
1: And I believe it's live cast <laughs> if you want to be up.
0: Yes, I will be definitely watching. Um, so, most famously, of course, these awards are the Newbery and the Caldecott Award, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other awards too mm-hmm. announced. And a lot of them might be kind of under the radar of the general public, Mm -hmm. but obviously many authors, publishing people, and librarians are keenly interested in these awards. Mm -hmm. So before we start, maybe there's a lot of acronyms involved in this conversation. Okay. and Maybe quickly you can tell us what the difference is between ALA, ALSC, YELSA, any other Well, they're the
1: ALA Youth Media Awards because they encompass many different divisions of the American Library Association. So that's the ALA. And then um, if you're thinking of the most famous, that's the Newbery Award 1R, the Newbery Award, um, named after John Newbery. And that one is um, for the text, the most excellent text in that year. Um, and the purview of the committee is it's it's usually... Um, uh, for um a chapter book but it can be for a picture book as we saw a few years ago
0: so let me ask you this uh-huh. well actually I have, I have so much to ask about that okay but maybe we just can run through the other awards really quick okay kind of
1: um so name the award and i'll say something about it
0: caldecott
1: the caldecott is strictly for the pictures just remember that and a not excellently written book cannot win because when you get to the end you get to the best of the year anyway so um but it is strictly for the pictures
0: but it doesn't have to be a picture book um
1: There is language in, and you can Google it too. You know what uh, is the criteria for the Caldecott? I just came off the Caldecott last year. There is language that talks a bit about format that's a little more recent in revision. So um, it can be a graphic uh, depiction, but the yeah,
0: it can be like graphic novel. Must come
1: through the pictures right. it's for the pictures it's for the illustrations
0: okay prince
1: prince is young adult um the prince award uh skews uh 14 and up uh and what else do you need to know
0: about that it's for the well something the- can win both a newbery and a prince right <laughs>
1: it can so the crossover um the newbery goes to 14 and the prince goes twelve and up, but mm-hmm. I, I cannot, for the life of me, pick one that was for a twelve-year-old. And remember, House of, um, well, House of the
0: Scorpion got both, kind of right. One but of, think
1: of- about that: House of Scorpion got both, but it did not get, um, it did not win the prince. So, so yeah, it, uh, theoretically, something could get both. But um, I would say the, the Newberry skews younger, the, the ALSA award skews older, and they haven't met in between yet.
0: Okay. Um, uh, there's a lot of other ones. Morris well, that's for debut. Um,
1: Morris is for young adult debut. And, and one that I love is Coretta Scott King. Yes. So we're looking at a creator who is a Black American author or illustrator Um, there's a separate there's separate there's separate um categories um and um i love the pure belpre also separate categories for writer and illustrators um
0: and that's for people uh, latinx mm -hmm, people
1: yep and Um, uh, uh, Stonewall, The Stonewall, um, Lesbian, Gay, Transgendered, Questioning, Pick an Acronym. And I also love that one, to shine a light on books that might not get attention. Remember, that's the thing about awards. And that's why when someone asks me to come speak about, I, I do a lot of public speaking. So someone might ask me to talk about what makes an award-winning book. I might spend 10 minutes talking exactly like we're talking. What these awards are, what makes a book excellent, what criteria the committee's looking at. If they're looking at a picture book, do the page turns work? Is there an image stuck in the gutter? That's the, that's the, the center of a double page spread. If it doesn't line up perfectly, that's a jarring and bad effect. But if it lines up perfectly, it actually is quite exquisite. So these are the things people are looking at when they're looking at, they're looking at the technique, the style, the, does the style go with, is it, is it a, is it a very sad story with a very cheerful cartoonish illustration that's, that's a book you're going to say, eh, I'm not putting that on my yes pile. So, so as we look at that, so I'll be talking about what makes an excellent book. If it's a it's a picture book, do the words sing and do the pictures bring more to the story? Is it not simply a draft of the words, but what else did the illustrator bring to this vision? Because that's the art form. And If I'm talking for 45 minutes, 10 minutes is devoted to that, and the rest is devoted to either awards that people are not familiar with. Because remember, this is just one committee. Mm -hmm. So um, Balfi is a different pond. Are you familiar with this book? Um, No. Oh, my God. It is one of the best picture books this year. The style is a, a sort of a graphic cartoon, but with a with a depth that you usually don't get in that kind of cartoon graphic art style. Um, so we we have wonderful illustrations that have depth to them, a flow to them, a page to them, and the words of Balfi, who is um, telling the story. So it's memoir telling the story of how he was young he and his father and his father a vietnamese immigrant would go fishing in a pond near their house for food for sustenance and mm-hmm. this is in the united states this is a present day or you know the last 20 years it's not that far away that that we're talking about people who In a very matter of fact way. It's not like, oh, poor them, they can't afford food. It's really about family time together, uh, surviving together. And um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful picture book. And it just won the Charlotte Zolito Award just last Mm -hmm. week. So who's heard of the Charlotte Zolito Award?
0: Well, I have. but Yeah,
1: but no, but I, I don't mean, <laughs> in general, like you're going to have a general audience. Now I have, it comes out of Madison, Wisconsin. It's, it's a terrific award. And for me, it's a award that often shines a light on a book that maybe I wasn't paying close attention to. Now everyone I know is, knows the Balfi book, but in the past there was a book called Baby Goes Beep. Do you know that book? Yeah. Such a delicious read aloud. I think when I first was looking at it to review it, I put it on the, yeah, it's a nice book pile, but I didn't understand how magnificent this book spoke to the developmental age group of its intended audience. And remember, uh, Caldecott and Newberry are not that. So you could right. have a like, you could have oh. a picture book and you'd say, "Who's that book for? Is it for a very young child or is it for a fourteen year old or is it for the criteria of the Caldecott award might say child appeal, but it doesn't say is it developmentally appropriate for the intended age group
0: mm-hmm. whereas yeah. I just am looking up different pond right now. I have seen this book; it's in the bookstore, but I just have not really taken the time to look so, at it. So. so
1: now it's got an award, and you'll pay a little more attention to it, and the artist and the writer, and you'll say to yourself, "Hmm, I need yeah, to absolutely. see what." I, and it's a debut picture book, wow. which means it's eligible for the Ezra Jack Keats Award which is for new and emerging writers and illustrators who have less than four books to their name. So that's a great push to a, to someone who's just entering the business. The Vanette Ridgeway is also for a debut. And it's for someone who doesn't have three, four books. It is for someone who has a debut. So they're first out of the box, what an amazing book. So certainly this is a book that's eligible. And that's another thing to think about. What is eligible? You know, people say, well, do you think this is going to get a Newbery? Any book published in the United States for children, for the specific age group, you know, eight and up, <laughs> is eligible for the Newberry.
0: Well, but for Newberry and Caldecott, don't they have to be American or American? American, husband?
1: sorry. So resident, yes. So what I'm saying here, you know, in the United States, published in the United States and they live here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or if they don't live here, they were born here and they live somewhere else.
0: So I know that what happens in the room stays in the room. Uh-huh. And like specific committees, yeah. we can't talk about what they do. But in broad strokes, how do these awards committees work? Okay,
1: I'll tell you everything that's not a secret. Yes. Um, and let's just use my Caldecott experience because it was last year. Um, you are charged with reading everything published that year. So, as opposed to the National Book Award, where each book is submitted by the publisher and there's a fee paid... The responsibility of the member of the committee is to seek and find and read as widely as possible. Many of us are reviewers, so that's not a big deal. Many publishers understand that this is kind of important, that they see everything. So publishers will send books to the committee. And... Um, Some people have very nice UPS men who bring it to their home. My books come to my office. And during the Caldecott year, I came in every weekend and sat on the floor and read. And read and read and read and read and read.
0: read. So it's every picture book, but it's also every novel, theoretically. Could it be like books of poetry that are being highly illustrated? Oh, yeah. It depends. Yep. So it like could be could it be nonfiction or does it have to be? It fiction?
1: could be nonfiction, certainly. Oh my God. So it's every book it's
0: that has illustrations.
1: Illustrations, yes. Now remember, you can get through things pretty quickly when it comes down to personal style and taste and things like that. And also remember, each committee member. The next step is you submit to your chair a certain, a limited number of titles, and that's up to, you know, you're, there's not a, a hard and fast rule, but your your committee makes a consensus. So let's just make up a number. I'm going to submit eight. You write about a page and a half, kind of an essay about, now I write less because I, I, I just am a person who writes less, but some people can write a lot more why this book is eligible, worthy, meets the criteria of the committee. And then that's to make sure that every committee member spends more time with those books. So there may have been a book that I was almost to my shortlist, but didn't make it, but somebody else nominated. Great. I pull it off the no pile. You keep everything around and then you, you 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 just swim in these books for the year. And then that one weekend in January, and this year I guess it's February, that one weekend you meet with your committee, sequestered like you're on a – well, you're a jury, but you're sequestered. You're not permitted to speak with anybody about these books. So you will – speak with um your committee members during your meetings and remember these are people you don't know very well i mean i didn't Um, they're people from all over the country you go around the room you present everyone presents books if there doesn't seem to be any kind of consensus you weed books off the pile so once a book is off the table it can never return you can never discuss it again you can't get down to ten books and go, yeah, but I really like that one we talked about yesterday better than any of these ten books. And for someone like me, you you know me, I am highly opinionated, <laughs> um, and I often think my opinion is the best. But this is not Lisa's award. <laughs> and that's the thing to remember. This is not Lisa's award. This is the committee's award and to trust the committee process. You want to know what Lisa would pick? It's on my blog. So you're you in that room and you have Friday and Saturday to come to a decision. You pick your winner. You have a choice as a committee whether you're going to revote for honor books or you're going to go with the next ones in order of voting, it can be either one. Sometime Saturday around eleven or twelve, because you really have to you have to hit that deadline. You come up with something. So every everyone who's a librarian or in the know knows Sunday it's over. You don't hear anything on Sunday. Sometimes people are walk in the floor. And, and if you're not in the know, which for many years I was not, I'd be the person going, oh, don't miss this book. And I didn't know it was over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, I really love this book. You guys should really think about this. These are the reasons why this is the best book of the year. Yeah, it's done. And um, <laughs> because the committee writes a press release on Sunday, and then that goes to the ALA press office. And then very early at some horrible, horrible early hour, I think it was 5 a.m. We had to meet at the convention center. You are herded into your groups and start making phone calls, which is why, um, to me, it's a little on the cruel side. So people... The, the publisher gets called first so that they can give the phone number to the committee to make the phone call. Mm-hmm. And you just have to call people and tell them the great news, which isn't cruel. That's fabulous news. But I, I can't help thinking about how few people get that it's, phone call.
0: It's very early in the yes. morning, too, I must say. Um, do you have any uh, times that you've called and there's been something funny that has happened?
1: Well, the fact that you've called and you don't get someone. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah. Uh, Awkward. You're going to tell them. Or, you know, so so you just. Do you have to get a hold of no, them before you No, can... you don't. But it's probably best that they get the news before it goes online and to the public. And
0: right. it's just best yes. that I, they um, get
1: the news. And then they have to keep it a secret.
0: I, forgive me if I've told this story before, but when the Morris Award, which is the debut YA, as we've, they announced their shortlist first before the actual award ceremony, unlike all the others. So the very first book I ever sold was Flash Burnout by L.K. Uh, And it was shortlisted for this award. And I lived in California um, at the time and I hadn't started going to the event yet. uh So I woke up at 5 a.m. to hear the announcements and my author won. I lost my mind. I called Lisa, I was flipping out and she was asleep, of course, because it was 5 a.m. on a Monday <laughs> and I was so excited and she was completely deadpan and she said, yeah, they told me on Saturday.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they do. They, they make their like, phone call. Baby. Oh.
0: <laughs> she said, oh, well they said not to tell anyone. You did tell your <laughs> agent. They did you say that? Like, yeah. They didn't mean your agent. Well, I'll tell you what uh, I have a little ritual With my agent friends, um, which is that we like to go out for dinner the night before the announcements so that we're together if we get any phone calls. And then we also like to be the first in line to get in the room, which means arriving sometimes at like pre-dawn in the dark.
1: Yes, because you can be shut out of the room, which really sucks. I don't understand why they don't pick the biggest room in the whole universe.
0: (laughs) Um, but I will say it's it can be very memorable to be in that limbo, you know, where it's still dark out and <laughs> nothing is open. If no wants
1: and- to, you know, be kind to the committee, you, you do the phone calls, you do this. Is Now the whole room fills up before you get there. But just remember, you're not allowed out of your little herded group if you want to be kind to the committee committees, stop by the press office and bring a couple cups of coffee. Cause I'm telling you right now, when we get there, Starbucks is not open. Oh yeah. That's- and so there's no, there's no leaving your group till the end of the press conference, which is usually around 8am or 9am, depending where you are in America.
0: So now I guess we can, we've covered how you get an award, like how the awards are chosen what the awards are. So this year, do you have any hazard, any guesses about? um, (laughs) Nah. I
1: got to tell you, I learned my lesson many years ago. I'm not, I can only talk about what I'm loving, loving, loving. And the problem is when you're talking to someone now, we're now in twenty eighteen. My brain is loving, loving twenty eighteen books. My brain God. is 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 moving forward. Uh there are so many again and that's what happens. There are so many fabulous, fabulous books every year. Every year it seems even better. And so uh and again, my pick of best book of the year may not align with anybody else's.
0: I love Yeah, but that's okay. That's why you're that's why you're having this is why this is a... Uh, you know, not we're not grading it. <laughs> well, but but part of <laughs> it this is wild speculation wild, or preference.
1: Um speculation, yeah. So I don't go on the record of that kind of thing. I just uh. I know, it's just so not fair. Um part of it is My also my mind changes depending on who, like where I am, what I'm doing. Oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, that was a great one.
0: It just well, how about not what might win, but what do do you hope that isn't overlooked? Is that a thing? Yeah, again,
1: okay. You know, last year, let's talk about last year. Last year, the book I did not want to be overlooked was Some Writer by Melissa Sweet. Mm What did get?
0: I don't know. I don't yeah, remember. Nothing.
1: <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing.
0: nothing. No. Well, last year, I really, really wanted Girl Who's Well <gasps> the moon to win it. And guess what? I did. did. Look, look, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so there we go. So um, if I was going to talk about books I'm love, love, loving this year, how about we go there? Okay. Surprise. That? It sh- Okay. Shouldn't be surprising, but loved, loved, loved after the fall, how Humpty Dumpty got back up again. Just, yes. you know, made my heart stop. Made my heart stop. I was like, he surprised me. There was a page turn and I went, oh, <laughs> okay. How jaded am I? So, so that book, for me uh just wins read aloud award wins uh not talking down to kids award wins great for the art uh, it's the book the book is as near what i want a picture book to be and then it's dan santat and you go huh okay then
0: um well he's always great but i feel like this even is even more. like a leap even forward.
1: more um a sleeper, you want a sleeper? One I love love love? Yeah. Big cat, little cat, Elisha oh, Cooper. That was my pick. Eek. No, wait, that was my pick. Huh? <laughs> I love
0: that yeah. pick. Yeah.
1: That was yeah. my pick. Yeah. And so um, I'm not, you know, and I look at that, I go, Oh God, you know, and, and a lot of time we say, Isn't this his turn? There's no such thing as a turn. It's the books on the table. It's the people in the room. And one different person in a room. It could be a different
0: book. Well, that, the book will, everyone needs to read it. And if you have a cat, it will make you cry.
1: Well, and I'm not even a cat person. It's, it's a book that translates to any child who has a new sibling. It's a book that translates to an artist who wants what is perfect form and line. Deceptively simple. Don't you hate that phrase? deceptively simple (laughs) really I I just I I adore his work um so I I you know with a grain of salt I'm just saying you know I please committee spend a lot of time just sitting with this one um Belfi and the Boys um A Different Pond is like nothing I've considered before. So when I look at this art and I look at this on the page and I look at the graphic storytelling, I'm like, uh, you know, not, I I don't think it's a sleeper because it's been out there. It's gotten six, five or six stars. I don't know how many for real, but all of that, um, a book, um, photography. Let's talk about photography. Full of fall. By Mm. April Sayre. Mm. just you know, uh, it's it's never anybody's turn. But it's it's a book that I come to again and again. For me, it's on a short list of books that I love the best this year. Um. So there's there's that. Um. What else?
0: Has a photography? Has a book of photography ever won a? Can it win? It sure can win. win. Sure can. It's hard. But
1: the problem is, is having someone discuss the art, it's the same criteria. How is, and remember, Uh it's more than the art, you know, it's the layout on the page, it's the typeface. So let's say the art is spectacular, but the typeface that is chosen by the art director has a more dated or pedestrian feeling to it. Well, whose decision is that? Well, that's the judges. So let's say they look at that. And I'm not saying that specific book. I'm just saying that these this is the criteria that people are looking at. And and remember, once you get to the last 20 to the last 10, the tiniest thing will take a book off the list. And it mm-hmm. remember it's not anything else it's what is on the page it is the book in the hand
0: how about um text wise i have a weird one i it might be weird maybe it's mm, not weird
1: what what do you mean are we still talking caldecott <laughs> uh no
0: okay Newbery. let's okay
1: what tell me your are newberry
0: so my weird one is her right foot for text i love that yeah, I mean I loved the text. I thought I went in not a Dave Eggers fan and expecting it to be really I expected it to be heavy-handed
1: and it wasn't.
0: Heavy-handed or just lousy or something and it wasn't at all. It's terrific and it's fun and I learned something and I cried a little and I I thought it was great. Um I don't know if they'll do a picture book again so soon after having done a picture book, but What do you mean? Well, I guess they can't take any other year into consideration, but there was a picture book that won anybody not that long ago. Believe me,
1: it's, okay, imagine this is a murder trial. Imagine a murder Uh trial happened last year, and this was the, uh, X was the outcome of that murder trial. Mm -hmm. The jury that is for this murder trial could give a crap about that one. It has nothing to do with it. I can't explain this enough. There's no such thing as a reaction to last year's pick. There's no such thing as a, it's somebody's turn. By the time you're mm-hmm. in that room and you've read the year's worth and you are taking this all so seriously, it is all about what is on the table in front of you. It, mm-hmm. uh, it's the committee process. It's the people in that room. So, uh, let's pick a book. Oh, fine. Let's book a pick a book. Um, like um, "Orphan Island." There's that is an ex. I don't think anyone would argue that that is an extraordinary literary book. It's 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 mysterious. It's deep. It's got multiple layers. It's but. You may be a person who goes, oh, yeah, I read it. And I may be a person who goes, oh, my God. But weren't you paying attention on page six? (laughs) When that happened, (laughs) when this happened, because it's that minute. Because, again, by the time you get to, and you're never considering, you're never considering that that person got eight honors. Who cares? Because it's one on the table and mm. you're comparing it to those other books. And can they be compared? Can Vincent and Theo be compared to Orphan Island? I'm here to say no, it can't. Can, mm-hmm. can the two of those be compared to The War I Finally Run? One, can The War I Finally Won be considered without the prequel? Yes, and it must be. It is only what is in front of us now. So you may have people who missed reading the first in the series or companion volume, because often you really, I wouldn't say it was a series, a companion volume, but hadn't read the first one, they might purposely not. So there's a few people in the room who say, I didn't read the first one and I was really confused when blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So these are things people say. This is what people do. There is no last year or next year. It's somebody's turn. It's it's just isn't.
0: What about something like one last word, which is magnificent, but also take is kind of like takes mashups of other poems. Like if it isn't all, if some of it is playing off of a previous text that is not that well. You know?
1: For example. If someone rewrote the Tempest in a contemporary high school, using words of Shakespeare within that text, does that eliminate it from consideration? No idea. (laughs) It's that committee. If the committee has a question, they have someone called a priority chair. The priority chair is the one who goes over the rules with a fine-tooth comb. I know for a fact that if a person, if the material for a Caldecott book has been published at all somewhere else, it, it moves it off consideration. Because, mm. So um, um, this is an example. I don't know if this actually happened, but this would be an example. Um, Myra Coleman did a sort of diary of... of visiting archives. It was a visual diary. Mm -hmm. Some of those images became part of a picture book that immediately makes that picture book ineligible because those images were already published. When I read for review, I read a book three times or more, but mostly for a chapter book, a YA book, I'll read it three times. The first time... Mm -hmm is the read, read, just reading, just reading. Am I engaged? Does anything take me out of the story? Does, is there vernacular that, Oh, I don't believe they, where was the editor? (laughs) Well, I'm always blaming the editors. I never blame the author. I was like, where was the editor? How come they didn't catch that? Um, or anyway, so, or something did make sense. And, and if, I want to spend more time with the book. That's when I'll reread it for review. I r- I'm rarely and that's the that's why this blog thing is so unusual for me. I used to write, I still do a little bit but not much for early word. And most of that had more to do with contemporary issues in children's literature rather than reviewing. And when I review for Kirkus, that's anonymous. When I review for the New York Times, that's assigned. Um, so these things, that's different to me than just as I'm reading and reviewing. And so I'm also a person who needs a lot of time. So I can give you a summary, but I'm not giving you a critical review. So on the blog, it's mostly about heads up, look at this, or, oh my God, don't miss this. But it's not a critical review. And I think that's okay. You know that I like the book and I want everybody to read it if I spend any time putting it on the internet. Um, But for thinking about young adult books... Um, again, a lot of these newberries can cross up and over like patina. Um, Mm uh, but on the other hand, some books are YA books. I'd say my percentages are I read every picture book. I probably every year I probably read. Uh, 50 to 65 chapter books that go up to 14. So there's some crossover a year. And unless I'm in the middle of reviewing something or I have a theme I'm working on. And then I probably, if I was going to say percentage of 14 and up, I would say it's around 30. So. I don't read as much young adult. I depend on blogs and people who are Twittering and hashtagging and all that kind of stuff to point me in the right direction. Of course, I have people I would never not read like Libba Bray.
0: So uh, we have we have spent a lot of time and I need to let you get back to work and blizzarding. <laughs> but before we go, I always ask everyone, what are you obsessed with this week? And I can tell you what I'm obsessed with this week. I'm While well, you think of what you're obsessed with, it does not have to be bookish, but it can be. And mine happens to be bookish. I'm in the middle of reading an arc of Dread Nation by Justine Ireland. I cannot Ireland. believe you said that.
1: I cannot believe you said that. That's what Why? I'm reading right now. <laughs> right now. Okay. Yes. Okay, so let's not give
0: anything away. I'm not going to give anything away, but I will just say... <laughs> it's uh, interesting that the the author said she um, had read *Pride and Prejudice* and zombies, uh-huh. and thought, you know what? How could women fight zombies when they couldn't even dress themselves? Uh-huh. Probably they would have servants uh-huh. do it. And who
1: would those? Be? So it's set in
0: a yeah, it's set in a reimagined post Civil War Reconstruction right, America, right, 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 in which people know, I've are, got to interrupt are you. sent to zombies.
1: It's set in <laughs> a um, alternative past. Right. Because there is no reconstruction at this point. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know how far re-imagined. you are. I'm. Imagine. Yes, a reimagining of American history. That's what I said. I didn't say it was literally. Oh, oh okay. reconstructed. Yes. reimagined. I said it was reimagined. Oh my! Civil I cannot war. believe Please. we're reading the exact same book <laughs> right now.
0: I'm exactly the halfway okay,
1: point. Okay, I'm not that far. I'm at the point where the bad professor It's not that far in.
0: <laughs> well, I will <laughs> say it's really, although it is gory, there's zombies. Yeah. Well, you, you know... It's also really funny because the main character has an extremely droll voice. And I just love
1: her. That's it. The, The word, you know, it's so I'm in that first read where it's the page turning. A wow. Oh, hmm. Thoughtful read. And so the next read will be the picking apart. How do we see this in context and everything read? But this first read, I have to say that I am not sure that in the past year, so 2017, 18, that I have read a more unique voice and believable one. It was, it would have been so easy for this to go off the rails. And believe me, I, I am, I'm not, I'm not that smart. You know, it, no, no, when it, (laughs) like, okay, I read Forests of Teeth and Bones and it took me to the last page to go, oh, they're zombies. No, I swear, I got to the last page and went, huh, there's, you know, I, yeah, they had a disease, they had this, and this was going on, and that's, so I just, huh, and so that's part of the whole, you know, who does well on the SATs, you know, I obviously didn't have the right background to support a conclusion. This one, they said, okay, there's going to be zombies, and I went, Okay, I got that. And it wouldn't be the sort of book that I would pick up, but I'm here to tell you right now. And you can see, because it's it's that's it's on the Blue Ox Review. This is hysterical. I actually put, and that's the other thing I don't do. I don't say, okay, now I'm reading this, because I don't want anybody to know what I'm reading, because then they'll ask week, well, what did you think of it? And I need more thought. I need time. And so I never say this is what I'm reading, but I actually said, I picked this up at EBMA. And Why? Because of the cover. And I'm that shallow. Oh,
0: it's beautiful. And I will have more to say about it when I interview Justina oh, in April. Well, I look forward um, to but that. I think that everyone everyone should pre-order it. Can you can you now cut out
1: the part where I said it was her debut? Because I'd hate to sound stupid. Yes, I
0: can. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, 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 wait. So I actually have it. one oh, other
1: thing I'm oh, obsessing wait.
0: with. Wait, I'm, I'm going to ask you right now. Hang on. So Lisa Von what are you obsessed with this week? There
1: is a website blog called Ask a Manager. Do you know this one? I do. It's great. I read Ask a Manager obsessively because it's work life. It's how to work and scripts of how to say things at work. Like when your boss says, come into my office and close the door. Don't panic. So so. I love this website. She has a book deal. And her book, Ask a Manager, is coming out from Random House or some imprint from Random House um, this spring in, I think, maybe May. So everybody who's graduating is getting a copy of this book from me because I think she's the sanest voice in terms of work life that I've ever read.
0: Yeah, and I will say I have gone down a rabbit hole where I'll just read it all day. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very great advice and also um, sometimes a little drama oh. in the questions. There's some crazy I, there. I
1: agree. There's drama. But the other thing is, she's very even handed and sane in her response. And if her response, she'll say, Well, I changed my mind about this or. I'm I'm coming from a nonprofit point of view, and your my mileage may va- vary. Um, yeah, I, I really I think. Oh, sense of humor, great sense of humor. So if someone's talking about their crazy boss and crazy, would you use the word crazy? No, you would say your boss who is has inappropriate behavior, and how do you address that inappropriate behavior? She must. She might just say, you know. you you gotta go you gotta leave just don't don't be there anymore find another job just go
0: all right lisa i have to let you go but thank you so much for joining oh you're so
1: welcome and thank you for having me because this was a joy to talk about books
0: and have an amazing time in denver i will be there in spirit oh yeah tell everyone you say hi
1: i'll you from the audience at the press conference
0: Thanks to Lisa Vondracek for joining me for the chat. And thanks to you for listening. As always, I'm putting links to all the cool stuff we talked about in the show notes, which are up on my website, jenniferlofren.com slash literati cast. I'm on Twitter at literati cat and the literati cast has a Patreon. Throw in a buck and you just might win cool books and have the first crack at asking questions of guests. Patreon.com slash literati cat. Thanks again and see you next time.